Chapter 21 Strategy Guided by the Nature of Belief If someone is to have success at some endeavor, it is imperative that he know what the proper end, aim, or goal of that endeavor is. Success at the endeavor does not come accidentally or arbitrarily, and thus you cannot calculate what steps to take without an understanding of where you are going. The fact that the medical profession aims to bring health to its patients has critical significance for determining what methods and procedures it employs. A man does not know what to do in building his house until he learns what is necessary to keep the roof from falling in. Moreover, the goal of one's endeavors delimits the ways in which he can successfully achieve it. For instance, if your aim is to reach Australia, success demands the exclusion of automobile travel. Therefore, if the apologist is to have success at defending the faith, he should understand the nature of his goal. That at which he aims will dictate the method he should follow. Now, unless the apologist is engaged in a proud intellectual game, the goal of his defense and discussion with the unbeliever must be to see the unbeliever come to belief, that is, to saving faith. And once we grasp what God's Word teaches about the nature of saving faith, we will be greatly advanced in understanding what method of apologetic argumentation should be followed in order, prayerfully, to achieve success. There can be no doubt that Scripture sets forth Abraham to us as the paradigm for faith. Hence, he is called the father of all who believe. Romans chapter 4 verse 11. We are called upon to walk in his steps of faith. Verse 12. The kind of faith possessed by Abraham was that which did not walk by sight or intellectual self-sufficiency. The hope which human reasoning and scientific investigation could afford was not Abraham's guiding light. Instead, Abraham believed the incredible, by human standards, promise that, even though he was an old man without a visible heir, his seed would be innumerable. Genesis chapter 15 verses 5 through 6. He, in hope believed against hope, yet, according to that which had been spoken by God that he would be the father of many nations. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Contrary to the conclusions which might be drawn by the thinking of man, but according to the spoken word of God, that was the nature of genuine faith. Abraham had to know what was most dependable, what to presuppose, what guiding standards to follow. Thereby, he illustrated so well that faith is the conviction of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith does not rely upon man's autonomous thinking and what it sees, but rather begins with the presuppositional conviction about the veracity of God's word. That which is not seen in human ability is seen by faith, which submits to the Lord's self-attesting word. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 27. The essence of Sarah's faith was that she deemed the promiser, God, faithful. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 11. Full dependence on God's veracity and giving his word epistemic priority over man's excogitation are eradicable elements of genuine faith. The scope of faith, then, is not the horizon of what human hopes dictate as credible. Rather, the man of faith submits to a a priori dependability of God's word, just as Abraham did in obeying the command to sacrifice his only son after he had received him according to the promise. Abraham did this simply accounting God's ability even to raise the dead. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 17 through 19. Abraham did not walk according to self-satisfying sight and demonstrable verification. 
His was a faith which made God's ability and faithfulness foremost. He trusted that no word is too hard for Jehovah, Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, simply on the basis that God himself had declared it. God's word is its own authentication. It is self-attestingly authoritative. Abraham believed God's word on its own merits. He was fully assured and wavered not in unbelief by concentrating on the promise of God, Romans chapter 4, verses 20 through 21. Here indeed is saving faith, verse 22. Given this clear example, we can understand why Scripture teaches that our trust must be exclusively in God, putting no confidence in the flesh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. When a man trusts in himself, he departs from the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 5. Thus, it is sheer foolishness for men to trust their own self-proclaimed autonomous thinking. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 26. Faith cannot be planted and grow in the soil of human wisdom. It requires that, instead, one presuppose the word of God. Therefore, Paul declares that his speech was not rooted in the persuasiveness of human wisdom in order that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4-5 through 5. Faith begins with the Lord and submits wholeheartedly to his wisdom. It is set over against reliance on one's own understanding or reasoning. The book of true wisdom exhorts us, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not upon thine own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. When one willingly limits his faith, presuming to question the ability or truth of God based on human intellect or argumentation, it is serious provocation before the Lord. Psalm chapter 78, verses 18 through 22. Consequently, faith is obviously not to be grounded in man's self-reliant thinking. God must be taken at his word, for he is truth itself. Since this is the end which we hope to achieve in speaking apologetically with the unbeliever, it should be clear that our defense must be rooted in the presupposed word of God rather than guided by clever arguments which rest in assumed intellectual autonomy. We ought not in our apologetic teach the unbeliever to trust himself in order to, savingly, rely wholly on the Lord.